Welcome to the SQB Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lawrence. Joining me today is MMA legend, UFC Hall of Famer, public speaker, all-around good guy, and most importantly, especially for the purposes of our conversation, devout Catholic, Boss Rudin. Boss is making his return to the show. He was our second ever guest on the SQB Podcast back in the day when we first started, and we're so glad to have him back again. Boss, thank you so much for coming back on the show. You're very welcome, Christopher. It's awesome. I love it. People like you spreading the word. Doing my best, sir. Doing my best. Um, now, boss, I know that the, the main body of our talk is going to be about the faith, but I would be remiss in my duties if I didn't get your take on some of these big fights that just went down over the past few weeks or so. Um, yeah. So the, the, the first one I have to ask about, I'm, I'm, I almost hate to do it, but there was that um, Jake Paul and Ben Askren, I'm going to put the word fight in quotation marks. That went down. Now, I didn't watch any of the event. I heard the event itself was a real train wreck. I don't know if you saw any of it, but I did see the highlights of, of the match. Um, did you see any of that of that uh, mess of a show or did you see the fight itself? Yeah, no, I, I, I saw the, the knockout. OK, so this is the thing. Right. So so a friend of mine calls me and he says, hey, who's going to win? Jake Paul of Ben Askren. I said, well, the smart money is on Askren. But I'm thinking we're, they're doing mixed martial arts because we know that Askren is is a really not a good striker at all, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm completely, there's no way, like I cannot understand that Askren took this fight because he's not a striker. He's known for his wrestling. It's like me wrestling Askren. I will have no chance. This guy will be all over me. So, you know, I said, no, it's a smart money. It goes on Askren. And then they hear, oh, this boxing. And now, now he lost money because he, <laughs> he, he was uh, gambling, of course. I go, dude, you should have told me it was a boxing match because then I would have said always anybody else, you know, because his bread and butter is his wrestling. So, yeah, no, that was uh, Jake Paul is acting like he just hit the best guy. Or did, but that, no, he should wrestle him. He should mix martial arts, do that against Askren and see how he uh, does well, if he does well in that. Well, there, there was some talk of him wrestling his older brother, who apparently has some kind of credentials in wrestling. But, but boss, what I got to ask you is, okay, so, so yeah, I agree with everything you said. Obviously, if it was, if it was wrestling, if it was MMA, Jake Paul would have been dead. He would have been murdered. Um, but people like Chael Sonnen, who I, I, I know you're familiar with, Dana White, not only stake their reputations. I mean, Chael said he was staking his reputation on Askren winning. Uh, Dana White reportedly put a million dollars on Askren, and he doesn't even like Askren. And Askren, you know, as you say, has terrible, terrible striking, known for his wrestling. But he, he's also taken shots from guys like Douglas Lima and Robbie Lawler, who dumped him on his head. Do you think there's any chance that this was a work? I know Daniel Cormier was saying we might have got played by Askren here. He just wanted the big payday, and he was in and out. He didn't take it serious, and and and, and we all fell for a work. Do you think there's anything to that, or do you think this was this was legit? No, this is legit because his striking is unfortunately like that. But, you know, he did make a big payday for him. I, I, I heard it's a million dollars. And for him, that's a lot because he, he never made that money before. And did he really lose? Right. He lost against a striker. Everybody knows he's not a striker. So he's a wrestler, and that's how he wins his fights. He takes you down, grinds you out on top of it, and that's pretty much how he wins his fights. So, you know, now he should, what I would do is say, okay, we fought one time your rules. Let's do mixed martial arts now. And see what's going to happen. You see, because then you reverse it. And then and then he's obviously he's going to win. Now, listen, 
Jake Paul is doing great with boxing, and he has a puncher's chance. Like, if he connects before a takedown is there, yeah, he might win. But a puncher's chance, you know, as well as I do in mixed martial arts, it's very hard to land that punch. Because in order to land a punch, you have to commit to the punch. And once you commit to the punch, that means you're planting your feet. Once you plant your feet, that's the moment the wrestler is waiting for, and he will take your butt down. So, you see, I, I wish that would happen, but uh, and he would stop, st- stop challenging Mixed martial go after boxers. If you claim that you're a great boxer, why don't you fight a bo- any any Golden Gloves guy who's still amateur? Fight that guy and see how you're going to do against it. And then you can really see if he's a good boxer or not. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't think he, I don't think you'd fair. You know what? I would even love to see him in there with one of the Diaz boys because their oh. boxing is on point. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be a fun fight. Oh, <laughs> it would be a murder, right? That would, <laughs> it would be an absolute murder. Yeah. Okay, so so now let me. I, I I have to ask about now. I'm seeing. I'm love that I'm seeing these these new uh, Eastern European guys coming up in the UFC because a lot of them are Catholic, the, and they're doing really well. The downside is I can't pronounce a lot of their names. So Jiri, and please, if you know how to say this better, you probably do. Please correct me. Jiri Prochaska uh, landed that nasty spinning elbow against Dominic Reyes. What was that? Two days ago now. Yeah. Um, and then he crossed. He crossed himself. That was awesome. Right. And we also see, uh, and now I'm going to murder this name too, uh, Giga Chigadze, uh, wearing his rosary into the octagon, right, and and having great results against Cub Swanson, who is who is uh, certainly no uh, no easy fight, um, even at this point. What do you think about these guys, boss? Are they are they uh, are they serious uh, contenders now? I know that some people were saying that Jiri, you know, took took some shots, took some damage waiting in. But he, he did have that devastating, beautiful uh, double-spinning elbow knockout of, of someone else who's a serious threat in Dominic Reyes. Did you see that fight? No, I saw the elbow. I saw the, the very end. Yeah, this weekend, I had no time. I was traveling. So, uh, I, unfortunately, I didn't see it. I, I got my, my, my Twitter lights up always when somebody gets dropped by a liver kick or a liver punch. So I knew somebody was hit by a liver shot because it started again. And, uh, and everybody told me it was a great show, actually. So yeah, unfortunately I didn't see it, but uh, I don't. I love it, and, and these guys, you know, you you just have to wait. This is something we, we can't say after one or two of those performances. Now, if they keep on doing it, you know, like the next five fights, yeah, then we can really tell the story there. So, uh, yeah, before I mention things like that, because sometimes I go after a fight, I say, oh, this guy is never going to lose, and then he loses his next fight. You know, <laughs> right. it's weird. So yeah, let's not put pressure on anybody. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, people people are already saying that um, Deary is is what we thought Johnny Walker was going to be. And that's exactly what they did with Walker, right? They hyped him up so much. And then once he lost, kind of nobody cared about him anymore, which is unfair to the fighter also, I think. It's, it's that's how that's the world we live in, man. Everybody has their own meaning. And already before the fight, it's like you trigger some, just so weird how the human mind works. You know, that's always, and it's also the, the sometimes with the team, it happens also, you know, if we won, we won. And then if the fighter loses, it's you lost, you lost, you know, mm-hmm. like, we win, but you lost, you know, it's like, come on, guys, it's a team effort. And it's unfortunately for fans, you know, that's why I enjoy the Japanese fans so much. I had this story, and I'm not going to say who it is, but there was a fighter who lost a whole bunch of, I think from like 11 fights, he might have won eight, uh, lost eight, uh, won, won three. And there were people in line waiting for to get him for autographs. And why? Because he was a scrapper. This guy never quit. If he lost, it was, you know, because he really lost. He would never give up. And they love people like that. There, over there, they respect the fighter. All here, everybody knows better than you. They think they know better. They never fought a train. They lick in their lives. 
yet they cancel you out right away when you lose a fight. It's a, it's a shame for fighters. It's kind of the the sad consequence of a sport becoming more popular, right? You, you, we get now what what pejoratively people call the casuals, right? The people that just the, they don't necessarily know what they're looking at. These are the people that boo as soon as it goes to the ground because and and, and I was one of these people when I first started watching mixed martial arts, but this was that was like twenty plus years ago. I didn't know what I was looking at, so if it went to the ground, it, you know, I would get bored. But that wasn't the fault of the fighters. That was the fault on me for being uneducated. Um, it's 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 okay. So it's it's interesting that you bring up the Japanese fans because I'm I'm I think about Pride a lot. I loved Pride, <laughs> um, and um, I, I I I was thinking about it. I was considering whether or not I was going to ask you this. So since it came up, I'll ask you. Every once in a while, us us uh, older fans, us less casual fans, will kind of revisit the idea of bringing the Pride rules right into the into the UFC. Is this something that we just kind of put our nostalgia goggles on and we think it was better? Or was there something to the idea that those those were a better set of rules over there um, and that it would benefit the UFC to apply at least some of those principles in the modern era? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a hard one to say, you know, because everybody is now about your safety of the fighters. You know, once you have these head stomps, once you saw Vandalay Silva pretty much stomping in the head of uh, Kazushi Sakuraba mm-hmm. – Penalty kicks, you know, it cannot be healthy. You know, there needs to be a very good referee there. I won championships. Uh, I mean, Roger Huerta, he fell on all fours. He was completely dazed. And he sits on all fours, like on his knees and on his hands. He's completely messed up. And then his opponent loads up and he gives him a penalty kick in the head. You see, now that's the moment the referee, he could, I thought he was dead. I thought he killed him. You know, that's a moment that a referee needs to be in there. And if you, they can't jump in there, you can never do those rules. So you have to, yeah, you need really good refereeing if you implement those rules. But I'm all for a knees on the ground from side mount and from wherever you can. I, I, I think that's a great rule. I think it's a better rule almost at elbows. Because, yes, we see a lot of people now getting knocked out by elbows. But that's only a few the last few years. Before it, you, you get stopped because they cut you. Well, you know, if you want to bring a fight as close to a street fight as possible on the street, when you get a cut, you're not really going to stop, right? You're going to keep on fighting. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you win by a cut. It's like, yeah, you won, you know, and I'm not saying anything about that, but is it really a win? You know, so knees, though, knees will knock you out. Sure, they will cut you as well, but you will result more in a, in a knockout than an elbow is. So I always thought that maybe they should add at least knees on the ground. The headbutts away, I love that. Because, you know, some people, if you're a really good wrestler, well, you were just holding the biceps with two hands so they couldn't defend. And then you just start headbutting the face, you know. So that 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 is good that they took that out. But, you know, the, the original guys, of course, always going to say Valetudo, like they do in, uh, <laughs> in, in, in Brazil. You know, Valetudo means anything goes. Right. I saw Big Daddy Goodrich, this is 100% true story, during a fight go inside the cup with his hand of his opponent that starts squeezing the testicles. That's anything goes. There you got it right in your face. Wow. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. boy. You see, that to me is a little pushing it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a little, that's a little extreme. But, you know, it, it seems like in some ways we've gone too far the other way. Like uh, Big John McCarthy tells the story that, which I'm assuming is true because he was there, that when these committees in the United States were putting together the rule set for things like the UFC – that the 12 to 6 elbow they outlawed because they saw videos of, of karate guys breaking boards and blocks of ice with the elbow and said, no, that's too dangerous. We can't. You can come in from, 
from 11 o'clock. You can come in from 9 o'clock. But something about that 12 to 6 power is obviously too devastating, right, which is ridiculous. Um, yep. It makes no sense at all. And that's also that the government, because if you were to head over to Big Joe McCarthy, he's a smart guy. He knows mm-hmm. exactly. He's established a lot of these rules, like good rules. I mean, he was the term. He started with mixed martial arts, he's, you know. So, no, he was that from the beginning. I'm very happy the UFC should be freaking thanking him on his knees because that guy's instrumental in the success of the UFC. So, no, he's 100% right. That makes no sense. Right. Okay, so before we move on from fights, I, I have to add, now, this is the big one in my mind, and, and, it, and it was one that actually kind of shocked me. Um, Usman and Masvidal. Uh, unbelievable. Now, if you would have told me the fight was going to go down the same way that it kind of went the first time, Usman holding Masvidal against the fence, stopping his feet or taking him down and just riding him, um, you know, Ben Askren style for five rounds, I would have said, yeah, that's very possible. But to knock him out, yep. I did not. I did not see that coming. Um, so I want to ask you two, two questions about that. One, did you know that, was there any indicators for you and your trained eye that Usman had that kind of power and technique? And two, does even someone like Colby give him a challenge at this point, or is he just too far ahead? He is, he's really far ahead. So what he did is an incredible wrestler and he teamed up with a really good boxing coach, Trevor Whitman, and, and he's actually listening to Trevor Whitman. You know, I give another example, Justin Gaethje was like that, but he trained with Whitman, but he wasn't really listening to him. He just wanted to make exciting fights and take punches. And, but then once he got knocked out a few times, he realized, okay, this is not a great game plan. Let's just start listening to my coach because he's he's a really good coach. And uh, and that's what Usman is. And, and then he started winning, you see. And I think that's with Usman also. He just listens, has trust in the coach, and the coach, well, the proof is in the party with what he does to fighters. And, and that's it. You just listen and you take everything to the heart and then you become that striker. So, yeah, he's going to be very hard to beat because now we got to wrestle with incredible hands, you know. And, uh, yeah, who's, who's going to stop? We're going to figure it out. But that was a perfectly timed uh, overhead. That was really beautiful. Do you think that do you think that Colby with his new camp gives him any kind of challenge or is he just going to blow Colby out of the water, too? Because now let's say they're wrestling is, is, is canceling each other out. Now Usman's got hands and. Yeah. You know, Colby's output is phenomenal. We know that. His cardio is phenomenal. So is Usman's uh, right now. Um, and now we know that Usman's got, got knockout power to put away somebody like Masvidal, who I think was only stopped once before, very early in his career. Um, does Colby have any answer for this? Do we not know? Do we not know if Colby has these new tools? We just yeah, have to we, wait and see. Yeah, we don't know. But I, I don't think that you can gain those kind of striking skills in the last six months. It is simply not working. Uh, he also, like you said, he's more of a diesel, you know, and uh, uh, and, and, and Usman is the, the fast twitch fibers, the explosiveness, mm. you know, yeah, those, the, the, the downside from that is you have to, uh, you need a lot of oxygen in your tank, a lot. So for Colby, uh, if he fights and he keeps on pushing, that could be a problem for Usman because Kobe doesn't have the fast twitch fiber. He just can keep going and going and coming forward. You know, you got to wear him down and hopefully in the championship rounds, you get him, uh, you get him down. But first of all, you have to try to get him down. But Usman is a really good wrestler as well. And then he's got the great handshook. All the while you're trying it, you have to watch out. He's not landing a punch. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a hard one for uh, Covington. I, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Okay, th- thanks. Thanks for your insights on all that, boss. It's always good to to hear your thoughts on fighting. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, I want to shift a little bit now to, to try to get into some of these things about our, our Catholic faith. And believe it or not, I want to talk about Kevin Can Wait. And I'll tell you why. My wife and I just started watching it. Um, it's on a lot of these free streaming services now. We, didn't, we don't have TV. We don't have cable because so much of what's on cable, as I'm sure you know, is, is absolute trash. Um, so we haven't had TV for a few years. But we saw it pop up on there, and I said, can never go wrong with Kevin James, right? I know the Boz Rutan's on there, so I'm saying to myself and saying to my wife, I said, let's, let's give this a shot. I know it didn't last long, but let's see. So we started with season two because we heard that season two brought Leah Remini back on, right? Yep. So we said, okay, we'll start there. Boss, I was, I was blown away on several levels. It's really funny. I mean, it's really, really funny. It's really well written and really well cast. I mean, the cast, uh, especially in season two when everything kind of cohered, really well put together. And what I really was blown away by was how much Catholicism was in this show. So what I really want to know is how did this thing kind of come together and was it kind of uh, Kevin James's intention from the start to slip this this Catholic imagery into the show, or did that just kind of organically start to build up as you guys went went along? No, that's right from the beginning. Kevin is a devout Catholic as well, you know, and and he and he's not putting this on purpose. He puts what he has in his house. He does that in the show as well, you know. So it uh, and and it, and it's just. It's very good. Listen, if you meet this, this, if you meet Kevin, he's exactly the same guy as when I met him 23 years ago. And when I met him 23 years ago, he was sharing the one bedroom apartment with his brother. You know, this was just before. There was the first season of King of Queens when he broke through and when it became big. And he never changed. You know, always with the same people around him. He's an incredible human being, and uh, and and that's just what he does. You know, so he just lives his life and he does it in a good way. And then, yeah, things will come up because if he has a cross at home, well, it will be on the show as well because that is his home and he's not going to steer away from it. So, Right. Um, yeah, right, right off the bat, I think one of the first episodes, it may have been the first episode of, of the second season, um, we see Jim Brewer as a priest. Now, normally these days, when I see a priest in any kind of popular entertainment media, I, I my initial reaction is to cringe because I expect – something uh, derogatory is coming, right? Um, Now, I didn't expect that being that I know Kevin James is also a devout Catholic, but I I didn't know how well it was going to be handled. And and I was very pleasantly surprised because here's here's, uh, Jim Brewer's priest character is is a human. He's a person, but but he's doing everything that a real priest and saying everything that a real priest would be doing and saying pretty much. Right. So he's, he's advising Kevin in the right way. There's the scene I know in, I think in season one where they're actually in the confessional. And at first you think he's going to let Kevin off the hook uh, for this lie that he's telling, but he doesn't, he, he, he says, no, you can't keep lying. You got, you got to stop this. You got to tell the truth. Amazing. Um, then we have things like the casual mentions of Lent, Right. Of going to confession of regular attendance at mass. Um, your character, I see as as I'm pretty sure you do in real life, which I do as well, wearing their rosary. Uh, then there's the scene on the airplane where you're actually praying your rosary. Yeah. During <laughs> during the flight. And to to a, to, a, to a fellow devout Catholic such as myself, I can't tell you how refreshing it was to see these things in a TV show. Um, did it feel really good to you to be able to just openly do this stuff? And something that was going to be on network television and, and get it out there so that people can can see that uh, 
that Catholics are are regular people too, you know, for lack of a better term. No, I, lo- I love it. First of all, when I, what I wear is a scapula rosary. It's a combination. That's why you can wear it. Like a rosary by itself, you shouldn't wear, they say. So, but uh, what, what people, the outside people, when you talk about Catholicism, and this is me included because I was like that as well before I got back into the faith. The first thing is pedophile priests, it's better the church, is bad. You know, we, we just dance over everybody because everybody is saying it, so it's just repeat what everybody says. But if you look deeper, if you just think, which is something I didn't do at the time, you go like, this is really freaking stupid. I mean, Jesus tells us the way to live. Jesus actually tells you, you know, it's better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself in the ocean than to let one of these little ones sin. You know, that means you touch one of these little ones, you're going to go to hell. You know, and I don't understand people go like, ah, there's no hell. There's... You know, listen, I've been attacked by a spirit multiple times. I've seen the curtain flying up in front of my face like b- big things happen to me. I know it's there, you know, and I don't want to go there. So people just have to wrap their hands, uh, heads around it that it is not what they see. It's so easy that to say that the, the blonde girl is dumb and the military guy kills people and the, and the lawyers are criminals. And, you know, we're all the same. Every Muslim is a terrorist and every, every uh, black person is a criminal and the cops are all uh, bad. It's all little percentages. And then people make it just whatever they want. And that's the sad problem that we have in the world right now because you can't say anything anymore. Like with their thinking... Well, then you cannot get a subway sandwich anymore. Then you, you know, the math will never be honest because A plus 8 is 16, really? Because a math teacher around somewhere in the world, you know, had, had, if they had a relationship with a minor, right, then A plus 8 is not 16 anymore suddenly, right? It turned, you, you see what I mean? It, it makes mm-hmm. no sense. Words that Jesus said are true words. And if everybody would live by those words, we wouldn't be in this crap that we're in right now. And we just like to live like that. Now people go, oh, is this, this is a thing? No, you hit me in the face, I will destroy you. I'm not yet like Jesus yet. I don't do that. <laughs> you know I mean, but it's like, but I will come up for justice, you know. And if I do see somebody hitting a woman or a little person or a child or something, or you better believe that I'm in there. You see. So, but they have a completely different uh, mind about. Uh, about uh, Catholicism, you know, and you go like, yeah, but you know, why don't you let the priests get married? Because then we don't have it. I go, well, yeah. if you look at Protestantism, just do a Google search and see what pops up if you talk about pedophilia in the Protestant church. I'm not going to say anything. You do it <laughs> yourself at home and then see yeah. what comes out. You see, so it happens everywhere. These are bad people. This is not the church. The Protestant church is not a bad church. The Catholic church is not a bad church. These are bad people coming in. And also you have to understand that the Catholic church at the moment is the most powerful organization was on the planet. So what happens with powerful organizations? People, they infiltrate because of how divided by itself will not stand. Apostle Paul already was warning us from it. That's absolutely right. Yeah, there's a a whole lot of truth in what you just said. Um, We're going to unpack a lot of that. Okay, so let me ask you this then, Buzz, and, and, and I don't know how much you can really say about this and, and if, if there's any specifics you can get into, but um, as best that you're able to elucidate, do you feel that the anti-Catholic sentiment that so permeated our culture had anything to do with Kevin Can Wait not being able to stay on the air? No, no, I don't, I don't think that. I, um, I, I was Scientology. They, they once Leah came, okay, so first of all this, right? So suddenly they get rid of the wife in the show. So the first season he was with a different wife. Mm-hmm. But then CBS asked him, it came from them. 
to, hey, we want to, you know, use Leah. And Kevin didn't want to do it because, you know, this is the show. But then they start talking and they kind of really say, okay, could you, you know, we please, you know, so your, your wife will die and then uh, Leah comes on. Now, the problem we had with Leah coming on is that, yes, their connection is freaking awesome. They're, I mean, they're so tuned in with each other that it's, it's, it's an unbelievable couple. But she carried with her the Scientology, you know, because she won a few Emmys now with exposing Scientology so every if you look at the previews from a show and you read what's below dude it is the most vile stuff when she's on screen I mean the things they say and you know it comes from them it's probably one person doing it on all different names but it's attacking and she's a whore she's I mean I mean real dark stuff and I think that did a lot to people, I don't think it's the Catholicism. If people, you know, listen, a lot of people are sheep, and they, they just don't see things. But if you're a little bit smart, you know that everybody would live like a true Catholic has to live. <laughs> that, yeah, we again, I'm saying this for the third time, we wouldn't be in trouble right now. Right, because I, you know, Buzz, I was very surprised because um, I didn't look at any of the reviews because I know better than to do that. Yep. But just just through watching the show. I mean, this this in the second season already was on par with I think some of the best of uh, King of Queens. I mean, it was it was so on point. I mean, we we were laughing out loud at a lot of this, and I've talked to other people and they had the same reaction. So it was it was it was disappointing and surprising to me that that it didn't last. And I thought maybe anti Catholicism had something to do with it. Now that you mentioned the the Scientology thing, I'm very I'm very aware of, of Leah's work with that, uh, her brave work with that, and that that uh, unfortunately does not surprise me either. Um, but do you think though that that because it, it seems to me, and, and with my work with the Crusade Channel, this is my main focus as um, I deal with a lot of the popular media stuff, uh, film and and TV and music. It it seems to me, and tell me if you agree or disagree though, that that there is an anti Catholic bias or at least a real aversion to um displaying anything positive in regards to the catholic faith in in or the teachings of the church in popular media well i i don't see a lot of like we had in the 40s right where where uh frank capra was maybe the biggest director on earth and all his films had catholic values wound all through them i mean you can't watch something like it's a wonderful life and not see catholicism in it and 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 we had a lot of films where priests were the main characters, uh, Bing Crosby, Going My Way, things like that, portrayed very positively. Now, as I mentioned earlier, if we see a priest, I get very nervous yep. because I, I assume that it's going to be a negative portrayal um, if, if we see Catholicism portrayed at all. Do you notice the same thing, that this is real aversion in, in popular media right now to portraying anything in regards to Catholicism positively? Yeah, it's, it, it's the... Uh the news also, you know, the whole, it, everybody's against it. Everybody's for now is doing whatever you want to do. That's what they look. They think because they think that's happiness. It's pleasure, but it's not happiness. It actually makes you worse and worse and worse, but they seem everything. Oh, you can have as much sex with everybody you want to do. You know, who wants to live by rules? You know, if you're a young kid, if you tell me when I was 28 years old, I couldn't have sex with the girls before I got married. I go, are you stupid? That's what I'm going to react. But once you dive into it, really into it and you see what is going on it's just being a very decent person that's it what would you want to have your wife go after other guys how would you feel if that happened so why do you need to do that you see so yeah it's a shame and, and they did a really good job and again you know there's they got they got God out of schools they get the Bibles out of the hotels I mean it, it, slowly but surely it's it's the the other side is taken over and it's not atheism 
It's not even. It's really devil worshiping. They actually they think that atheists are the dumbest people ever because they don't believe. You see, and for them, Lucifer mm-hmm. is the, the he's going to liberate everybody. You know, I go like, wow. But you know, if you watch move of watch websites like Gloria Polo, the woman who did abortions and he's got hit by lightning and she has a near death experience, she actually went to hell. You know, that website is it's translated like sixty languages because it's a very powerful world. And she when she talks about it, you know, that she sees a family members who passed away and but nobody's smiling. They have a worried look on their face. And then she started descending. And then she started telling what she experienced. Trust me, she came back, she's a full blown Catholic now because she saw hell and there's a lot of other people that have a near-death experience that went to hell you know from the, all these near-death experience I always tell people also from the millions we had by now if one is true it's true just think about that if only one would be true it's true there's an afterlife but I think that you're ridiculous right now to think like if people say oh are you stupid you believe in that crap I think you're stupid not to believe <laughs> if you go to, I, I, I mean, it's so in your face, everything. You know, the, the big example that I always use, you know, it's uh, um, it, it, uh, for an example, right? Imagine we land on Mars right now as a person and we somehow we don't know what a clothespin is. Irreducible complexity. I'm going to explain that for people at home. You probably know this. The, 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 the astronaut gets out and he walks through the center. Suddenly he bounces into a clothespin. And he, for some reason we can land on Mars, but we, let's say we don't know what a clothespin is. He grabs the thing and he goes, wow. That's a crazy thing. Look at this. I squeeze it. It opens up on the other side. I can put papers in between. I can do, I can squeeze things in between. That's cool. Would you think that he's going to say, oh, listen, over billions of years, there was this storm and this tree got cut in half and somehow isometrical two little parts fell next to each other. That is ball of iron got melted by the sun and it starts going into a string. It coiled up and it fell automatically in between those two pieces because every there's three pieces for a clothespin in order to make it work. Do you think... He thinks that believes or does he going to say somebody put that here? Now, every person with the right state of mind is going to say somebody put that there. Right. This is not something that you that can come by. It's exist by itself. Well, that is three parts that I was talking about. Now, let's talk about a human eyeball, two million parts, 10,000 of them. And one misses something is off. I'm not even talking about DNA and all that other stuff. And that is an accident. But these three little parts, you say that is somebody created that. And that's how you have to look at life. And, that, and that's why everything comes back in nature. You know, you can see it. And, and there's so many connections. All the things, how many times you haven't heard from a person for five years. And you think about that person. And you look at your check, your email, and boom, there it is. How is that possible? Everybody goes through this many, many times in their lives. There is something out there. This is not the life. And I hope people are going to see it because then they live a li- their lives a little bit more responsible. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Uh, science has become a new religion, maybe the predominant religion. And uh, like I've heard said, and I and I believe it takes more faith these days to be an adherent of the religion of science than it does to be a Catholic. Because first of all, as you say, you have to believe that that everything came from nothing, that everything was an accident, even these hyper complex designs. And you also have to believe that um, something which changes. What it says every 50 years, right? Science is, is constantly <laughs> rewriting what it what it teaches. That something with absolutely zero consistency is more believable than something like the Catholic Church with 2,000 years of consistency. Um, it blows my mind. So l- l- let me let me ask you this: um, Most of the people, as I said, that are, that are listening to this are going to be uh, traditional leaning Catholics or at least devout practicing Catholics. So for most of them. 
Father Ripperger is the man. Um, I know for myself, Father Ripperger is the man. Um, and and talk about the power of intellect of one person. I mean, it's it's unparalleled. How did you kind of get it, it, in as much detail as you can give me? How did you kind of get connected with Father Ripperger? What are some of the ways that he's benefited you? Because I know for me personally, and my wife and my family. I have maybe half of a half of a two terabyte hard drive is filled with Father Ripperger talks, and we just listen to him. I mean, he's enriched my understanding of the faith to a degree that I never would have thought possible even five years ago. Um, so, how did you kind of get connected with Father Ripperger? What are some of the things that that he's helped to illuminate for you in your own in your own spiritual journey? And um, yeah, just just if you could talk a little bit about that. Well, we have these retreats like two times a year. We do with a group, and it's a real fun group, but it's real. You know, there's athletes, there's boxers, there's actors, that's it. And, you know, it's really, when you say I do a Catholic retreat, people go like, oh, these, these guys are praying. Do it. All of you, you wish you want to be in the retreat, trust me. We're freaking ATVing, we're doing things. Yeah, of course, we do a lot about the faith, but in our free time, we're having a lot of fun, you know. And Father Ripker is always there because, yeah, as you said, He's the man, and 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 but he has to dumb down. It's like Thomas Aquinas, <laughs> you know. You, you like I try to read Thomas Aquinas, even the one-minute Aquinas, the book that he has, I can't understand, and especially because I'm a foreign guy. I mean, every time we have to stop him, I say, okay, dumb it down for us, because I always thought it was me, but everybody has the same thing because his intellect is so freaking phenomenal. But he knows exactly how to break, and he lives by those rules, and and it, it's amazing to see, you know, he's a a cigar smoker, he drinks whiskey, and people go, he's a priest. Yeah, but listen, he never smoked a walk but on one cigar. He will <laughs> never get drunk. I mean, when I say a whiskey drinker, he drinks one whiskey in like four hours. You see, but people, if you, the outside people, oh, he's a priest, he smokes, and he, you know, immediately, he's not a priest anymore. No, no, that's temperance, guys. If mm -hmm. you are in control of it, you can do whatever you want to do, pretty much. Well, the good things, of course. So, no, he helped me a lot. He's, uh, um, I just, uh, Oh, I, the last uh, that was last month I, I I did a confession with him. I was so proud to to throw out my uh, my act of contrition in Latin to see if it was correct. Nice. <laughs> and uh, and he said, yeah, I could understand everything, so it's good. <laughs> but the way he simplifies everything and the way he breaks things down, I really uh, that that's him. That's his power. And I'm not going to say he's like Jesus, but for, for instance, Jesus would say certain certain things with one line. And it, everything is in that one line. Nowadays, you can't do it anymore because you say, but what if this or what? No, no, just read it like it is. Because if you read it like it is, just truth and just read it, you're going to be okay. You don't need to say more. And that is Father Ripker as well. You know, whatever he says, just take it to the heart because it's there to help you. Right. Yeah, I, I, I have a bunch of Father Ripker's books. And when I first started ordering them and they would show up, I'd say, these books are very thin. But as soon as I open it, I realize why they're very thin because they're so dense. You couldn't sit and process any more than what he puts into one volume. And I know now he has a book coming out that I think he said he's rounding a thousand pages on. Um, oh. And I'm looking forward to that. But right. Yeah, certainly. And that's another one of the, I guess, misunderstandings when people people hear that a priest does something like a, like a human being and, and, and it automatically discounts them for being a real priest, but they don't understand things like, uh, as you mentioned, temperance. And if anybody understands the virtue of temperance, it's someone like Father Ripperger or, or, or the principle of the integral good, somebody like Father Ripperger. These are things that, that the Catholics, that anybody really benefit from knowing, reading about and understanding. Um, so you mentioned the Latin there. Okay. So you uh, I know last time we spoke, you were you were you were telling me that you were had been doing some of your prayers in Latin, and but now you've got the acting contrition down. 
in Latin. Um, do you believe, uh, I, I'll just say up front, I absolutely do. Do you believe that Latin, that the, the efficacy of prayer uh, is greater when it is um, spoken, read, chanted in Latin, which is which is a sacred language, the sacred language of the church? Yeah, no, I believe so. This is the first thing they told. Once they told me that Latin is the language that the demons fear the most, that's when I start doing everything in Latin. You know, that's when I uh, I said, okay, well, I got to do it then. And it starts with the, the Hail Mary, and it starts with Our Father, and then it goes to Rosary, and there's the Nicene Creed, and the Apostles' Creed. And slowly but surely, you know, you got uh, the Salva Regina. I mean, they, they start adding on, and, and you realize it's actually fun to do, you know. And I many times I do the translations next to it as well. So constantly I, I'm reminded, oh, what is this? Proelio. Oh, that's a battle. And, you know, you, you pick the words out so you know what you're saying as well. This is, of course, very important. Otherwise, you just recite it. But still, they say, you can go to the website. If you still just recite it, it is still very powerful. Now, for people, um, th- th- there's, there's, there's millions of Catholics, much, much better Catholics than me who don't do Latin. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's not a requirement. You know, and it's not like, look at me, I could do things in Latin. It doesn't make me anything better. But, you know, for me, it was at the moment when they said that demons fear the Latin language the most. Okay, I'll give you an example. Jesse Romero, he's a, he's a great Catholic as well. Oh sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know me. He was a he was a cop. He was a the kickboxing champion for all the cops in, in in America for like six years in a row. Tough guy. So he has a, an, a a priest friend, and he's also a linebacker, the priest. You know, in his free time, he helps with the kids, and he's doing this. Uh, he has these teams, and uh, the priest asks him, "Hey, listen, I'm gonna have to do an exorcism uh, in a, a tomorrow, whatever time it was." He says, "Can you bring uh, three other strong guys from your gym?" who are devout Catholics as well, because I'm going to need some help with this one. And he says, cool. So he comes over there to the priest, and, and the door opens up, and there's this woman, and she's like a 70-year-old woman in a walker, maybe 80 pounds, he said, boss. And his wife is telling me this story. They're both telling me this story. And he looks at the priest, and he goes, are you serious? And the priest goes, just wait. You know, <laughs> put this lady in front of the Blessed Sacrament, she puffed up, he said. It was really weird, like a skirt got a little thicker. She grabbed the priest, who's a 245-pound guy, threw him through the air, grabbed Jesse, threw him through the air. His wife was laughing because she said he flew through the air like bus, like you see in movies, you know, like really weird. And apparently when that happens, you you cannot be hurt. I, listen, there's some crazy stuff going on. Anyway, they all dove on that woman. This is an older woman. And, and the reason Jesse's wife is there because there needs to be another woman present if they do an exorcism. And they were pushing one on one ankle, one on the other ankle. So everybody had one limb down and uh, nothing happened. An hour and a half. And they started sweating. It was very hard. She couldn't stop it. And then Jesse said, OK, let's change our prayers into Latin. And as soon as they start doing the Hail Mary in Latin, the woman broke free and she stands up and she starts screaming. And then suddenly she fell forward flat on her belly and starts screaming, get her off of me, get her off of me. And they had to ask her who it was and she says the lady so the lady mary was actually stomping her down there now if Mm -hmm. you hear stories like that you go like ah that's not real like i told you last time probably in the interview i've been attacked by one in my spirit in my house you did tell me that yes that's right I saw a curtain right in front of me. I thought that I was chasing a person in the house and a big, thick curtain hanging in front of a doorpost instead of a door, and it flew up against the ceiling. So I keep running because there's somebody in the house. There's nobody in the house. And yes, all the windows were closed. These stupid people always, oh yeah, like it's a category four uh, storm going on on the outside and I leave the doors open. No, no, I would know when something is fake or not fake. 
and uh, and it really freaked me out. And it was very physical also uh, w- when the attacks happened. I saw the person. My whole family saw the person. And then we moved to another house. And when we were in the other house, the first – this is the house I'm staying in right now. The, the morning, I asked my daughter, our oldest daughter here, I say, hey, how was your first night? And she said, oh, it was great. I just had some visits by some uh, two boys. And I, I look at her. I go, whoa, 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 you mean spirits then? And she goes, yeah. I go, you're not freaking out? She says, no. I said, well, okay, well, what are we talking about? She said, I know, 16, 17 years old. I go, honey, you're not freaking out? No, no, no. One, they were very nice, and I asked them to stop, but one wanted to keep playing. He kept playing on pushing on the bed. I go, honey, this is crazy. So I go downstairs. I go on the computer, and I Google if something happened close to my home. And in 2001, on Christmas, four kids went through the wall here next to my house. So I'm walking outside. I see where the where the car went through from the four kids, three boys and one girl, two of them passed away, two boys, both 16 and 17 years old. She didn't know this story. I didn't, I, I didn't know this story, you see. And then all these things start stacking up and then started coming back like things that I had, like God was planting a seed with me all the way back when I was 10 years old and suddenly that came out. It was so weird. Everything started falling together and I realized, yeah, well, there's much more going on in this world than we can see with our eyes or feel with our senses. That's very true. I think ignoring the spiritual reality, which is reality, is very dangerous. Um, I also, if I look back, um, I, I had some experiences myself before I, I really had to return to my faith. And I, and I think it's just as you say that God is planting these these seeds so that you realize the reality of this stuff. Um, it's principalities and powers, right? Um, yep. And um, for anyone that, that, that is interested in these things, uh, Jesse Romero has a great – it's a short book. It's called The Devil in the City of Angels where he tells a lot of these stories. Um, and also just listen to Father Ripperger's uh, discussions about his sessions doing exorcisms. Uh, there are two or three books. I have two by the late uh, great uh, Father Amorth, who was uh, the predominant exorcist in the church. And there's a lot of corroborating details in these books. I mean, it, it, it's, it might seem sensational to someone on the outside, but read these testimonies of these people and see that there's a lot of overlap in what happens. And, um, and as you mentioned, you know, Father Ripperger says all the time, uh, when he's in session, once Our Lady shows up, it's over. That's it's over. it. Yeah, you should, because also when I, I say you're not, you're not afraid. He goes, no, we always win, boss. We always win. You know, so so we don't have to be afraid of evil. You you live your life good. You're going to be okay. We can beat it. Well, not right. we, with help. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's also I I think a lot of these stories that Father Ripper in particular tells are powerful testimonies to the efficacy of the intercession of the saints, right? Because he also says. If Padre Pio shows up, it's over too. So there are these people that are, that that lived exemplary lives in service of Jesus Christ, and there and thereby they are powerful with Christ. Their intercession, I hate to tell people this, but the intercession of someone like Padre Pio or Saint Joseph is going to be more powerful than someone like me. You know that's that's why that's why we go to these people to intercede for us. They're they're not they're not our saviors in and of themselves. I know most people listening to this understand this, but for anyone that that is a non-Catholic that might hear it. We don't attribute powers to these people that that they uh, manifest on their own. All these things come as graces through our Lord Jesus Christ. But some people just lived uh, more more Christ-like lives and thereby are more apt to be, um, I'm going to say, persuasive, for lack of a better term, when imploring our Lord. Right? It's 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 not some kind of uh, circumventing Jesus that people think it is. Yeah. No. Hundred percent. And, but but also people are influenced by other people, you know. For, for instance, if, if if their friend says that church is stupid, well, they don't want to look stupid in front of their, their friends, and then they stop going to church. 
you know, and in, in Holland, for instance, in the Netherlands, the devil did its work. You know, I go to mass there. We're talking 12 people in mass. I mean, if I go da daily mass here, it, we got a church. Oh, we got 120 people in the church. You know, there's a lot of people here. You go to a confession and you're going to have to wait in line because there's a lot of people in Holland. I talked to a priest and he did one confession last year in like Rotterdam, one of the biggest cities, one confession in an wow. year. So the devil, they really did this work. If I'm going there and I'm telling people I'm Catholic, they start laughing at you. They think you're dumb, you're stupid, because everybody wants to be in control. That's the pride thing. That's what people don't see. That's what the devil wants. You know, every person in hell is proud. You know, if you think you're better than that, well, be my guest. I'm not going to take the risk. And they're all going to say the same stuff. They say, well, what if you what if you find out it's not true? I say, well, first of all, if it's not true, I'm not going to find out anything. I'm just going to die. I say, but what if you're going to find out that it's true and you didn't live your rules? That's a whole different ballgame now. Now you're going to go somewhere else where I'm going to go. And then you see them thinking the wheels are turning. And most of the time when I do the irreducible complexity thing, they start thinking. I say, explain to me how a body, where does a body come from? Where does the skin come from? The bones. What started first? The heart? I mean, it needs supply, right? Or say it needs to be in the water so at least can get the nutrition from the water. But how did it develop lungs on the water? I mean, you can go on and on. And then, you know, what came first? To me, that is insanity. For me, it's much more easier to understand that there was a person, well, the divinity who said, boom, there's a That's why when they say, what was there first, the chicken or the egg? It was the chicken. And they go, who laid it? No, God created a chicken. He didn't create an egg. <laughs> they go, boom, there's a chicken. The chicken was there first. That's how it is. Right. Yeah. I, I, and, and a lot of that ties into and I, I know we're, we're coming up on on uh, when you need to run. But but I need to ask you really quick before we do wrap up. Um, do you think that a lot of this has to do with things just being people don't want to engage in something that 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 appears difficult? Um, so like learning the Latin prayers or learning the truths of the faith or thinking a little deeper about the origins of of creation and of reality. Or standing up against this predominantly secularist culture, right? I mean, uh, the scripture tells us that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Is this all largely due to the, to the idea that we have a crisis of masculinity in our culture? Men don't want to step up. They don't want to do the things that are difficult. They don't want to be seen as weird or different or outside of what is acceptable. Um, and, and something about that plays into pride, too. I mean, do you agree with that? Yeah. Okay. So this is what I. Yeah. But it's all pride. That was the first of all of that. Second of all, I was very fortunate. I was uh, in Stubberville. I was sitting in the class from uh, Scott Hahn, and this guy's got a freaking mind, man. He's unbelievable as well. And I was sitting there with two other friends, and we were fortunate to be in his class, just one class, because we were picking him up. We we're going to have some dinner, and um, and he dropped a big one. And I I remember looking at my friends. I go, holy mota, this is this is crazy. He says it's not be sin because we uh, we suffer because we sin. He says, that's backwards. He says, we, we suffer because we don't want to sin. Oh, no, we sin because we don't want to suffer. So meaning this, if you, uh, you want to drink uh, a lot of alcohol, right, it's, it's hard to say no to it. It's hard to say no, and that is suffering. You see, it's not the other way around. So if you have a girl offering herself to you, you know, but you're in a relationship and you're with a wife, it's hard to say no. That is suffering. So it's not the other way around. And once I start applying that to life, yeah, you realize that's everything. And people don't want to suffer. That's why it's so easy to break up on your telephone, to start dating on your telephone, to, to do everything. on that. Nobody has the cojones anymore to look each other in the face. I'm telling you, the, and the people, again, like non-believers, but I really don't care. You know, it's the Internet. I'm telling you, that's the devil's invention. It has to be because it takes 
everything away from us. We cannot focus anymore. Everything is short-term memory. We have to make decisions really fast. I mean, they don't let us think anymore. You have to go fast, fast, fast. Oh, by now, because in 10 seconds, you're going to lose it. Oh, you go, bye, 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 bye. That people are so obsessed with having things. You're not going to, you cannot bring it with you. Why not leave behind a, 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 what a great person you are? You know, focus on that. That's what I always said. How do you want to be remembered? You know, as the guy who had everything and all the boats, but he didn't do anything with it. He didn't help people with it. You're serious? You want to be that guy? Or you want to be the guy who had no money? He came by, but he was, that was a great guy. He helped everybody who came in contact with people, sending him emails, and he would answer. And you see, that's the person I would like to be, just a decent person. I'm not talking about anything else. And that is pride because people don't want to do things anymore. You know, it's too hard. Oh, let's take a pill of Valium because I cannot handle this stress. No, toughen up. Oh, I, I, I cannot eat it, but it's so good. You know, oh, everybody's overweight. Yeah, it's, it, you suffer because you don't want to sin. Because sinning oh, it, it, it is overeating. Temperance, we were talking about it with uh, Father Ripka. You know, he drinks one glass of whiskey. He drinks ten, no, doesn't drink 10. It's temperance. So it's a bit with food. If you, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, right? That's what they say. So you're not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. That doesn't mean eat whatever you want and make your body sick and die of a heart attack. No, you have to. This is your body that has been a gift to you. You have to treat your body with respect. That's what you need to do, just like you would treat everybody else with respect. But people don't do that anymore. They have no self-respect. They just overeat, they overdrink, they're doing this. I've been one of these guys. So, you see, that's why I know all this. I've been the drinker. I did the drugs. I did all that stuff. And the womanizer, you name it. You know, but once you come and become a, uh, and you see the clear path, you go like, wow, I've been a douche my life. Thankfully, I didn't kill people for money and guilt did this and do these crazy things. But I can tell you that my first, <laughs> my first uh, confession was two hours and 20 minutes. Dude, I was sweating bullets. And you realize that, you know, 95% is because drinking or drugs. So if you just got that out, you're such a much better person. It's, it's insane. Yeah, when I had my reversion to the faith, I had a very long return confession also because I, I, I lived uh, a long period of what I like to call my St. Saint, Saint Augustine uh, moment. Um, and uh, he's a great example to me also. So, Boss, I know I know that you, you need to run in just a minute, and I want to thank you again. You've been very I, generous. I like 10 minutes left, uh, so, so I'm still good, buddy. Oh, great. Okay, well, then maybe what you could do for me um, is I know that – you're very big on uh, meditation and contemplation. Could you talk a little bit about what some of your go-to devotionals are or what saints you like to read on a regular basis? Um, just to give our listeners some inspiration. Maybe, maybe they don't know, you know wh where to start or what to, what to do. Like, or they get in over their heads. I, I, I bought myself a copy of the Monastic Diurnal because I, 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 <laughs> I, want, I, I wanted to endeavor to step up my prayer life, and um, I have no idea how to use it. So maybe maybe you have some some devotionals that you like to go to that you find yourself returning to frequently or some saints that you read more frequently than others. Maybe you could give some um, advice about about where uh, some of our friends that are listening could could start or things that you recommend. OK, so I, I start with the little crown of Mary. That's a, a that's a prayer. That's the first. Um, well, no, no. The first when I wake up, it's, well, thank you, and you thank God for waking up, and you do all that stuff. And then you, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'm going to dedicate all, all the prayers that I do today. I'll say, 
it's for these people. And it's always, it's never for, oh, give me this, give me this. It's all to help other people. People who are sick, I have a whole list. People who passed away, maybe with assisted suicide that are, or by suicide. I have friends of them. They're always on the list so to see hopefully they can get them out of purgatory. If they're in there, that's not my thing, but I can at least, I can try. So I do all that. That's about, um, I don't know, it's 10 minutes or so. And then the first prayer goes out. That's in the, the little crown of Mary. You can just get it on your apps. It's a really nice one. I do it with a group. I mean, we've been doing this for six years or something. Then my second one is the Auxilium Christian Norm. This is from Father Ripperker. And, and, and that is to fight all evil. Uh, so the Auxilium Christian Norm, you can find it on YouTube and on and, and every platform. It's an app. Go to that app and, and, and get that one. That's a very powerful one. After that, I go to daily readings because although I do daily mass, I still like to do the daily readings because sometimes you can't hear the person in, in mass as well. So I go over that. I try to memorize always the responsorial songs, uh, the responsorial, yeah. So I, I try to memorize these things. So I do something with my brain as well. Um, and then I go over the reflections. This is also very important because that's where it really get explained what those passages mean. Because like with the New Testament, it's easier to understand than with the Old Testament. There's so deep meaning in one line can be anything, you know, and, and, and it's just cool to read that one day. Also, when I do the reflections, I do this on the Laudata app. You also have the saint of the day. So I always spent like today it was James, right? Uh, I always uh, spent time on the saint of the day just to... Uh, to make sure that I do that as well. Then, uh, what do I start at that? Oh, the divine intimacy. Um, the divine intimacy, I would, everybody, I would suggest to get that book. It reads one, uh, one chapter every day, and it's really powerful, and it really will straighten you out how to live. The divine intimacy, don't forget it, it's a really good one. After I did that, I do a rosary. While I do the rosary, I, do, I stretch every, uh, stretch as well, so I do that simultaneously. That is the start, this is my beginning. But then, you know, when it's noon, I do the Angelus, you know, and then I, or I go to daily mass. And then at three o'clock, I try to do the divine mercy. If I don't do it at three, I will do it in my car somewhere already. I do a Fatima prayer every day as well. It's also on the rosary. Um, and then before I at night, I do every evening. I, I try to go outside, which is and sometimes I do it in bed. But, but I, the best for me is to go outside, do an examination of conscience. What you did that day? What did you do right? How can you make it even better? What did you do wrong? And I'll make sure that you never do that wrong thing again. And with me, things doing wrong are really stupid things. I had priests laughing at me in confession. They say, "Do boss, that's not a sin. You do a daily rosary. Yeah, don't worry about that." I said, "Well, to me, it's a big thing, like like a jealousy thing or something." I go, "Ah, that's, that's weird. Why would I think like this? You know, like a stupid thing." And then once I have done that, I do the act of contrition. And then I have like uh, 13 guys that I, I pray to. I, I like St. Therese a lot because she's here on the wall. And we put her here on the wall uh, way before I got back to the church. And they asked me, do you mind if we put something religious on the wall? I said, no, I don't mind. I didn't put anything on it. And it was St. Therese. And I didn't know it was St. Therese. But then we got married in St. Therese Church. And we got uh, uh, St. Therese kept popping up in my life. The whole time. And then when I was finally one time I was meditating, did my examination of conscience, I had no clue there was St. Therese behind me. So afterwards, it was like five minutes before midnight, I decided, you know what, maybe I should look. So I sent a picture because it says St. Teresina because it's, 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 it's Spanish. And I said it to my buddy Leo, Leo Severino. I go like, hey, who is this? He goes, that's St. Therese. I go, are you kidding? We've been going to the St. Therese Church. We've been married there in the St. Therese Church for the Catholic faith. Everything started falling together with St. Therese. And so I started... Uh, I started Googling about her. Uh, and then at, this was so freaky because the day, uh, I, it was five minutes before midnight, when I started reading about her, 
we, five more minutes we were in the day that she passed away and the next day was a feast day. So I was I was checking her out at the moment, the day that she passed away and it went over into her feast day. And I go, okay, we, we're going to keep this one very close by because this has to say something. The Everything was falling together. But the St. Joseph, you know, I did a consecration to St. Joseph, to Mary. I did it a couple of times already. That I think it's a powerful one as well. Uh, of course, the archangels are always there. St. Jude is a church I go to, so I do St. Jude's prayers as well. Yeah, I just wrap it up, and it, it's something I do for years, and I do it every day, whether I'm traveling or not. If I have to be somewhere else, and even with the jet lag, I will always wake an hour and 15 minutes up before, because then I can spend time on my morning ritual, what I do. And I just feel good doing it, and it keeps me in check, because I used to be a crazy guy. It keeps my ADHD under control. You know, I have really good ways to, to trick my mind to, you know, to not jump out, because, you know, I can explode and be resting again. It's it's really weird, but since I got back into the faith, I'm so much better with control, because you just simply see the truth, and if you live by those standards, well, you're going to fix it. That's absolutely right, yeah. Um, and I love what you say about St. Therese kept popping up. I mean, that's that's providence, right? God's yep. providence is perfect. I've noticed a lot of those things in, in my own life. And the consecrations, I, I I wish everyone would do, every Catholic would do consecrations. Either either we did them in um, the manner of St. Louis de Montfort. We're probably going to renew them in St. Yep. Colby's uh, manner. But people should really look in, in, into doing that. I think it's incredibly important, and it will bring you so many graces in your life you can't imagine. Um so thank you, thank you for all that, boss. Uh, okay, so so before we start wrapping up, I know that you have the new version of the O2 trainer coming out, and I know that that thing has helped so many people. Um, can you maybe tell people what they need to know about that if they're unfamiliar and what's what's new with the new version? And then um, also any any anything else that you want people to know that you have coming up or where they can find you. For, for me, this other training is a big thing. It's an idea that I came up with when I was 14 years old, and I finally made it, and, and it cured me from my asthma. I cured a lot of people from asthma, COPD. I may have a pulmonologist who won six awards at the AARP. He's buying it for his patients now. So the proof is in the pudding. It's 100% guarantee. It's actually so much that if you buy for your asthma or COPD and you do it 30 days straight, and your asthma or COPD is not 80% or more gone, I'll give you your money back. But I'm going to need to see the videos, though, because it will take you four minutes a day, and you have have to do it it's a breathing exercise there's two exercises so let me explain first for people we we all believe that our lungs are doing something no lungs are just two bags there's no muscle in the lung that's why i always tell people oh you got strong lungs you don't have strong lungs you can't you can have healthy lungs but you can't have strong lungs breathing is done by your diaphragm and your chest the intercostal muscles which are the muscles in between your ribs and they expand and while you expand they open up the lungs and that's how we breathe now, what people don't know is that we all have about 10 pounds of breathing muscles, which is the diaphragm and those intercostal muscles. And if you don't work those out, well, if you are gassing, that feeling of gassing, and this is Dr. Belize, our world-renowned uh, breathing expert telling you, that feeling of gassing is oxygenated blood leaving your limbs to support your breathing muscles because they're the number one priority in the body. You don't breathe for three days, uh, three minutes, you're dead, right? Food, you can do three weeks without, water drinks without three days, the most, the most important one is breathing. So if you work those muscles, if you train those muscles, which you can do with that invention, the O2 trainer, your stamina will increase. Also understand that 95% of the people breathe wrong. I was breathing wrong during my month to my world championships fights. If I do stamina now, I'm in better shape than I was when I was fighting. And I do stamina, I did it now uh, three times in the last three months. 
and I fly through it. My breath control is so bizarre, it's just it's just crazy. My asthma is gone, see everything is cleared up. Now if you have an allergy, you can you cannot fix the allergy, of course. But you're powerful, you're gonna be so powerful to pull the air in, you're gonna pull it straight through the infection. And that's why now pulmonologists are actually buying it because it's working. So that's the thing that I'm very happy about because I started with that being for stamina. And then I realized my, within three weeks, my asthma was gone. You have to understand, every fight I had in my entire life, I had used an inhaler in the, in the dressing room. I was carrying an inhaler with me everywhere I went, always. That thing, after three weeks, I never carried an inhaler with me anymore. That was a big thing for me. No more poison in my lungs. Now this is get rid of it. I said it to my buddy in Holland who, uh, who has asthma. Eight days later, he's selling him now in Holland because eight days later, his asthma was gone. And these reviews, there's a, there's a website, Bas Rutten, a, a Facebook page, Bas Rutten's O2 Bootcamp. And that's a, a page where a lot of people, users are going, and you just ask a question, hey, I have asthma, is anybody helped by it? And then you watch the response. There will be not one person who says it didn't help. Now, if a person says it didn't help, then they didn't do it for 30 days straight. I can guarantee you that, because if they show me the video, it doesn't work, I give you your money back. So why don't you make a video? And you will see me posting every day a video since 2018, May 2018, I'm in posting a video there. Now, last thing I'm going to leave you with. So you do a certain uh, breathing exercise. One breathing exercise trains the, the front of your breathing muscles, the core, and the other one trains your back breathing muscles, which is really weird because you, nobody breathes using the back. But you combine those two, it's freaking gold. It's like it, it will enhance everything. Now, in 2018, it took me to do the breathing exercise three minutes and 45 seconds to complete 30 repetitions. That's the only thing you need to do. Every day, 30 repetitions. Once you did it for a month, you can do it every once a day. It will stay up there. So three minutes and 45 seconds. Just for fun, last year in April, I told my wife, you know what? I'm going to see why I can do that same setting with if I am much faster now. 55 seconds. So I went from 345 to 55 seconds. That's a 75% increase. And you can check this because three years ago, I stopped every day since 2018, since May 2018, I've been posting every day me doing the breathing exercise. I might have missed 40 of them, but we're talking about over a thousand days. You see, so I, and that's when I'm traveling. So people can actually go back, they can see the time, they can, they can see I read everything, what setting I use, and then they can fast forward to now. And then they see I'm telling 100% the truth. It's just the proof is in the pudding. And especially after the pulmonologist start buying them, I was a very happy man. Very good. Um, and people can go to bossrutin.com, right, for the links to that and, and other things that you're you're involved in. Is, boss, is there anything else that you have coming up that you want people to know about or uh, anything else you, you want to bring to people's attention? No, you know, I'm, I'm starting this XOTV uh, thing. It's a new platform. I'm, I'm going on there. We're working on uh, getting a podcast ready for that. Uh, so that might happen like in two months, you know, so we can prepare a little bit and make it right. And, and, and that's it for the rest. I'm not a big social media guy who's constantly posting. You right, know, right. Uh, all that stuff that disappeared once I did uh, the, the, the Exodus, <laughs> the, the Exodus 90. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I know some very good priests even that do that regularly and uh, get some good benefit from that. Yeah, because then I realize I'm wasting a lot of time, you know, just making a picture. Hey, look at me. I'm uh, Today I'm going to do this. Who, who really cares? You know, <laughs> I, I started seeing that. I go, you know, now I just do 
things that I hope are interesting or, or funny things. I still do that as well. I, I think it's always good to bring some comedy in the world. Right. Is there any? I'm, I wasn't aware of this EXO TV endeavor. Is that something you could tell us something about, or is that kind of under wraps right now? No, no, no. It's, it's already in a. It's a new platform. You can already uh, find uh, find me there. It's exotv.me. That is the 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 website, and then you can just uh, put Boss Roots in there. You got my own channel. We're still working on it. You know, there's a bunch of videos uploaded, but you know, a podcast is going to come as well. And hopefully, we can start interacting with the people on there as well. It's just a new platform that I like, you know, and that is new. That is not controlled by the media. You know, for for instance, I I don't need if I post something on there, it's not going to pop up in my email suddenly that I have to buy whatever I was talking about in that because that drives me nuts. Last time with my wife, and we all know this. She was talking to me over in Florida, and it was a hard winter. She says, oh, man, they need special windows here, I guess, right? And that evening, she shows me her – she just said it, and she's got, uh, she's got emails for windows. How, how crazy is that? So if I can avoid that, I would like to avoid that. Right. Well, boss, when that podcast gets going and you're ever – if you're ever starving for a guest and you want to talk to a fellow Catholic, a revert to the faith, and, and longtime fight fan, I, I know a guy. I know a guy. Me too. I'm just talking to him. I'm going to do that, Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Boss, again, thank you so much. You're always very generous with your time. It's always great to talk with you about fighting, faith, and anything else that comes up. And uh, I will let you know as soon as this is uploaded on the internet, and uh, hopefully we'll get some shares from you, and we'll bring some eyes to it and teach some people some things about the faith, fighting, and life that they maybe didn't know before. Perfect. Let's do it. Let's hope. Thank you very much, boss. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. God bless you, and uh, I'll speak to you soon. All right, brother. Sounds good. God bless.